QPod, QIC's Investor Insight podcast series. I'm Alison Hill, State Chief Investment Officer at QIC, and each fortnight we invite our listeners to take 10 to get an update on economics, markets, and all other topics of interest to institutional investors. Each podcast, I'm joined by QIC's Chief Economist, Dr. Matthew Peter. Hi, Matthew. Oh, hello, Alison. I'm actually joining uh, you from Melbourne today. It's been very pleasant weather down here. Oh, lovely. I love Melbourne. I'm from Melbourne originally, so always like to get back there. Two Mexicans oh, together. Indeed. On to economics, though. Interested to talk about a bit of central bank activity. We've had a lot of action in the central bank world uh, since our last podcast with quite a number of jumbo rate rises, so-called jumbo being this uh, three-quarters of a percent or 75 basis point rise. We've had the US Federal Reserve, Bank of England, European Central Bank all going up. Uh, raising their official rates by that uh, 75 basis point level, which is, you know, a pretty decent jump. And many of which are on the back of actually quite a bit of, quite a number of rate rate rises over the last few months, really beginning earlier this year. Our own central bank, a little bit more conservative. It has moderated to 25 uh, basis points or a quarter percent at the last uh, meeting in November. But analysing all these statements that go along with these, you know, these announcements about official cash rates, and our industry does love to analyse these statements word by word, but, you know, an overarching theme is that, you know, the central banks aren't done yet. They're certainly saying that, you know, while they might be thinking about, you know, looking forward, they're not done yet. They haven't got the job done. So how far do you think we've got to go? And I thought maybe we should start talking about the U.S., Oh, yes. Okay. Well, the, the US is a very interesting case uh, at the moment, Alison, and it sort of encapsulates a lot of the decisions, the interesting decisions that the uh, central banks around the world have to make. So what we're seeing in the US with that CPI print, you know, is much weaker than what people were expecting. Uh, the quarter-on-quarter print came out 0.3%, and that's well down on where it's been the last two months at 06 percent and really that that shift down in uh, the uh, CPI is really enough to cement the fact that the um, Fed will take the uh, rate hikes down from these jumbo 75s to a less sub 75 basis point hikes to a less jumbo sized uh, 50 basis point hike in uh, December and you've seen markets starting to price that fully at the moment but that won't mean that there's that's the end of the rate hike cycle, um, the Fed will still continue to to, uh, hike rates. That shift down in in CPI, whilst welcome, isn't going to stop the Fed from continuing to hike rates. Those rate hikes will start to occur at a slower pace. So we're expecting the Fed to ease back to 25 basis point hikes in February, followed by a 25 basis point hike in March, and then pause at that point and hold for the rest of the year. So that'll give you the, the Fed funds rate, Alison, topping out at 4.875%. Again, the market pricing has come down close to that to that level now where they were pricing not so long ago above 5% as the sort of terminal Fed funds rate this cycle. But as we get into 2024, as inflation continues to ease and continues to come down, we expect the Fed will start to actually cut rates. So having paused 2024, we should see the Fed starting to ease those rates back down towards their neutral rate, somewhere between 25 and uh, 3%. It's a long way been a long way up and still got further to go. So look, it's it's going to be a really interesting ride. But from an Australian perspective, if I'm correct, I think your expectations are that cash rates won't be quite as high as your modelling for the US. 
No, and there's a couple of reasons for that. We're not forecasting inflation to get quite as high as it got in the US, although it's getting close. You know, the inflation rate we're forecasting for the December quarter and the first quarter of next year will be somewhere between 8 and 9%, whereas it got over 9% in the US, but, you know, reasonably close. Our terminal rate this cycle in for the RBA is 3.6%, which we think they'll get to in March, so that we're forecasting another 25 basis point rate hike in their December meeting, uh, followed by 225 basis point rate hikes in their February and March meetings, which is, as I said, would take you to 3.6%. Of course, that's lower than the terminal rate that uh, the Fed's going to get to by almost a percentage point. And it's not justified just by the differential in the uh, the peak level of uh, inflation. It's also a, a difference in the efficacy or the impact of rate hikes in Australia compared to the US. So, you know, the cash rates uh, have a much more direct impact on the economy with less lag than what they do in the US, mainly because of the way in which mortgage rates are set in Australia, which is off the short end of the curve. In the US, they're set off the very long end of the curve, the 30-year end of the curve. In Australia, they're all variable rates. So that pass-through into the housing market is, is very immediate. And you've seen how quickly the uh, the housing market's turned around in Australia, Alison compared to the US. So we expect to see the Australian economy starting to slow, slow quite quickly. And that means that the RBA probably won't have to rise much, raise rates much beyond that 3.6% range. Well, look, as a, an Australian mortgage holder, I hope that that's right. Again, while it's not quite not close to 5%, it's still a long way up from where it has been. And that certainly is biting into budgets. But you know, interesting, you also note about the US housing market, it is a slower transmission mechanism, definitely. But we are really starting to see that bite in the, in the US as well, as you're saying, as we are in Australia. So, you know, I guess this, uh, this policy impetus is, is, is having its desired impact, or at least in those parts of the economy anyway. You're listening to Alison Hill, State Chief Investment Officer and QIC's Take 10 podcast, where each fortnight, Chief Economist Dr Matthew Peter and I talk through the current economic and investment environment. Talking of slowing growth though, Matthew, and we're clearly seeing a slowdown overarchingly in the economies in, in Europe, the UK, and also interestingly China, but China's at a very different uh, monetary policy setting where it's actually stimulating or, or trying, trying different methods to stimulate growth. But nonetheless, what I think is interesting though, is notwithstanding those CPI numbers where you, you just sort of outlined the issue there, the US is pretty stubbornly, persistently positive. We've got a very strong labour market. We've got strong wage growth numbers. You know, a lot of those things sort of seem to add up to be a fairly robust picture. And I think we had that inflation data overnight, which is not inconsistent with a slowing economy. And markets were very happy with that outcome when you have a look at how much uh, equity markets bounced as a result. But, you know, one number isn't a trend and one number doesn't really provide you with a lot of insight. You know, the numbers have been bouncing around a lot. And I kind of can't but wonder that notwithstanding that, you know, the housing market is certainly seeing impact, but where we've got, you know, strong levels of employment, we've got reasonably robust consumer and we've got other dynamics going on in the economy, things like the war in Russia and Ukraine, which is going to continue to place strain on food prices and on energy prices. We've got, we've got, we've got policy decisions, things like Germany um, deciding to shut down its nuclear power plants despite the fact it's in a you know severe shortage of energy. 
So I do think there's a few things around that wages element, about that energy element that could see inflation stay a little higher than perhaps you know, the very positive response that the markets received this morning from a, from a slight slowdown on one number. What do you think? Do you think it could be a bit stickier or it, it's going to come under control quickly? Well, yes, Alison, uh, inflation was clearly stickier this year than we would have liked, uh, and that was also stickier for central banks. And they that forced them to go quicker and harder in terms of rate hikes than what we thought continuing into, and, and we think that'll continue into next year. The question for me is not so much whether um, the inflation will stick or not, because the central banks have indicated they're just going to raise rates to crack inflation one way or the other. Uh, the question really is how high do interest rates have to go and how deep will the recession be? Now, of course, that depends on where inflation heads. And there are signs that inflation is going to ease. For example, labour market is softening. We've got 3.5% unemployment rate shifting higher to 3.7% in the US, for example. And that'll start to, you'll start to see wage growth starting to turn down. Uh, other parts of the economy, both globally and in the US, that were driving in, um, inflation higher, also starting to show signs of turning around. We know gasoline prices in the US, for example, are coming down, used car sales, are coming down as the auto industry starts to uh, open up again and increase production. And then finally, we know freight costs are coming down um, more generally around the world, international freight costs. And of course, with uh, Europe and the UK also um, slowing sharply, uh, that should take some heat out of the demand side of the economy more generally. So pretty confident that you'll see uh, inflation abating in over, to, over 2023 uh, globally. Thanks, Matthew. I think, you know, look, you have certainly raised some good contrast to the fact that there is signs that certain parts of the economy are slowing down and, and that will have a, a cumulative impact. And I do wonder quietly as well whether that's perhaps behind Dr Lowe's considerations of Australian path. He's certainly looking through to the economy, but, you know, if he's also seeing a lot of heavy lifting being done globally, then that will certainly impact the Australian uh, import and export market. So I think we can say for sure, though, is that the markets are watching data very closely and there is a lot of change. So volatility is likely to become the new norm for a while. So a challenging environment for investors. Afi, thank you again for joining me for today. Always great to have a chat. And thanks to our listeners for taking 10. Thank you.